0: Okay, let's bring it down. God, have your way. That's our prayer. Just have your way in these moments as we open our heart, mind, and life to your word and what you say in it for us as your followers and to those who are seeking. In Jesus' name. Today, movement toward the world. In their song entitled Movement, Hosier sings, when you move... I'm moved. <laughs> I kind of think that's probably talking about something different than we are talking about here today, but I like the next line of that song. It says, "You are a call to movement." I can't hear that except to think about God because that phrase reminds me that God calls every Christ follower to movement. Movement toward people in our world who Who do not yet know Jesus Christ personally and and, and do not yet know His grace. God calls us to be in movement toward people that don't know Him. Webster defines movement as the act of moving. Unbelievable. Webster got paid to come up with that. (laughs) Well, okay. Uh, I I like the second part of the definition a, a little better. A change in place or position. So in the context of this message, I see Christ followers sometimes needing a change in place or position as we get, try to get outside, daily try to get outside our self-focused lives in grace-filled movement toward people who don't know God yet. And that is very much on the heart and radar of many of you. And I'm inspired as I hear you talk. Sometimes others we need to grow. Uh, Sometimes life piles on, and we 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 forget that passion to reach people. We're finishing a three-week series called Movement today uh, message series. These last three Sundays. Uh, and, and again, movement is what the New Testament church is, and it's what the New Testament church does. And by the word church, just by way of reminder, or if you're unfamiliar, you may think right away of institution or denomination. Well, no, New Testament definition of the word church is very simply that a worldwide group of people who have decided and made the choice to be a Christ follower, to surrender their lives to Jesus. And that very large group of people of all stripes and varieties in terms of style and what have you, um, uh, that the very large body of people in our world is expressed locally in groups like Eaglemont Church Family. It's pretty cool. The body of Christ is in movement toward God two Sundays ago, toward one another. And we, we spoke specifically of the intergenerational reality of that. Um, and, then, and, and if you miss those messages, again, a reminder to go on the website and please listen to those. These are, these are crucial uh, kind of direction-setting messages for the ministry year ahead. So if you miss those, please go to the church website, eaglemont.church, and listen to those, uh, those messages. Our movement toward the world... Starts with the fact that God moved. God moved. God the Father, the creator of the universe, as if He didn't have enough to do, uh, moved toward this world that He created. Toward the people of the world that He created and their choice took them a little bit sideways. We're not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about that next week a little bit in the first message of Through the Bible series as we look at Genesis as part of the first section. Genesis, the first five books of the, of the Bible actually we'll be looking at next week. But we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that next Sunday. But God moved toward you and I when he sent his son Jesus to become the bridge to reconnect us relationally with our creator. God moved. God moved in His Son, Jesus, when He came to earth. When Jesus, God the Son, took the initiative, willingly stepped out of the glory and splendor of heaven to come to this dusty planet. He moved our direction. When when we were trapped in sin and the consequence of it, which is a lot of things, but ultimately is the state of being eternally separated from our Creator. Tragic, painful. To the heart of God as well. He doesn't want that. Jesus moved toward us to be the bridge, to reconnect us to God. God moved our direction. It's the Romans 5, 8 reality. God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God, did I say it? I'm going to say it again. God moved your direction. He loved you that much and loves you that much. He moved your direction and daily by His Spirit moves your direction in sacrificial love because He knows we all need a rescue. So, since God moved, we must, as, as Christ followers, we must also move Coca-Cola is a product that has far outgrown its humble beginnings. In 1886, Dr. John Pemberton in Atlanta first introduced uh, Coca-Cola. The pharmacist concocted this caramel, syrupy, colored, healthy drink in a brass kettle in his backyard. For decades now, virtually the whole world has recognized that name. Because early on, that company made a commitment that the whole world would taste their drink. Wow. As Jesus followers, we need to take note of that. 97% of the world has heard of this sugar water concoction. While millions and millions and millions of people worldwide have not heard the message of Jesus or even... In some cases, his name. Changing that will take movement. Listen. Oh, Nice. I don't have Cindy Crawford here this morning, but I'll take a drink. You got to be old enough to remember the 80s commercials for that one. I can barely remember it. Movement toward the world is captured in some of Jesus' last words spoken to his followers in, the, again, the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Go. Get go, Go with this, with this grace that has impacted your life. Go where the people are. And then baptize them. Teach them. And, oh, yeah, I'll be with you always as you do this. Powerful words from Jesus to you and I today in terms of movement out. Those words have always been the Christ follower's call to movement. So, so a good question is, what does movement toward the world look like for us? And as I thought about this question, my mind went back many years to a conference I was at and a message I heard uh, by Lee Strobel, a uh, former atheist, uh, author of uh, excellent books like Case for Christ and Case for Faith. He put the question to us this way, and it just has stuck with me over the years. He simply said, what if Jesus lived in my house? What if Jesus lived in your house? How would Jesus move into his neighborhood and connect with his neighbors? If, if Jesus lived in my house and in the community where I live. Well, this morning as we consider this, and we're going to consider this, please, I want you to think about those in your life who do not yet know Jesus Christ. And, and that may be you, some of you this morning. And, and way to go for being here. That Jesus moved your direction. Because he loved you. He went to the cross because he loved you. And those of us who have trusted Christ as the forgiver of our sin and the leader of our life and, and are following him, we're not perfect but we're trying to, trying to follow Jesus in the way we live and, and, and that, that, that is a, a, an awesome thing when he says he'll be with us as we do that. But for those among us who are Christ followers, which is the majority I'm, I'm sure, I want you to think as we move through this message about people, specific people, faces, names, family members, co-workers, neighbors, classmates. I want you to think of these people that Jesus loves, but they don't know him personally yet. I want you to think about that. I want you to be praying for them. Well, first, if Jesus lived in my house, he would model for us. If he lived in your house, he would model for you that movement is praying for spiritually lost people. Prayer can be tough, prayer can sometimes be seem like well, that's kind of a waste of time. I don 't feel see anything what, what's going on? No, prayer is movement. Prayer, I often say, is eternal work. Of course, there's a the time to act and to do, but we better not act or do anything in God's mission without praying earnestly for people that we want to reach with the good news of Jesus. Great commission movement. Must start with prayer for people who have not yet opened their lives to him. In, in this same message, in Strobel's message, uh, he said this. Jesus would talk to God about his neighbors before he would talk to his neighbors about God. It's good. It's good. It's important. Right up until Jesus' last breath, wasn't he? He was praying for people that were angry at him, who hated him even. Luke 23, Father, forgive them, he prayed. See, prayer is a non-negotiable part of the equation in seeing people come to receive Jesus for, for forgiveness through our witness. Parents, you drive your kid to a sporting event that they're a part of, why not get in the habit, pray for the parents of, uh, of, of the other kids on that sports team. Every time you drive to a game, a game you, you could pray, Jesus, help me to show your love to the other parents through my words, through my actions this morning, even though it's 6.30 in the morning. It's a good prayer. Maybe even that could include the other parents of the other team, maybe. Or even the ref, maybe, depending on how he calls the game, right? Just kidding. Prayer for family members. Family can be tough to live a Christ like witness in front of. Many of you know that. Prayer is vital for our witness to be strong with them. Praying for family members that you've told that you've accepted, you know, they're kind of looking at your side, but they're curious, though, because they see some change in you. Prayer, prayer on your way to work every day, that even your, even your silent witness and your silent testimony of your life would be strong. Students, as you head out the door to go to school or, or, or college, uh, prayer every morning that God would allow your life to show His grace and kindness and, and for opportunities to verbally share. Prayer. I'm asking you to make a commitment in this, in this moment to, to pray daily for people in your life who don't know Jesus Christ. Do what you have to do, put a a reminder in your smartphone, put a yellow sticky on the mirror if you're wired that way, and some of you are, or, or both, I mean, do what you have to do to make prayer for people who don't know Christ a daily experience in your life. You'll be surprised at what begins to happen. Secondly, Jesus would model that movement is living an authentic life. If Jesus lived in my house, he wouldn't just talk about his faith. He'd live it, because talk is cheap. John, in his first little letter near the back of the New Testament, under God's direction, gave us a good little statement to Christians. He says, let us not love with words and speech, but with actions and truth. Let's back it up. Let's back it up and live authentically. Living an authentic life involves serving others, no strings attached. It it means serving others and expecting nothing in return. (laughs) Living that way, really, really living that way will help to dismantle uh, some of the obstacles that that some people have about God. I I believe it. (laughs) I have a confession to make to you. Uh, a funny, not funny thing happened as I was working on this message one morning at, at Starbucks, actually, near, near Walmart. Spiritual place to be when you're preparing a message. But I do like it intentionally sometimes. People all around that need Jesus. Well, I had literally, I had literally finished, I had my laptop there, literally finished putting the period on that previous sentence that I just shared with you about serving others, and expecting nothing in return. Had just finished that sentence when I noticed a lady with her baby stroller waiting for her coffee. I looked around. All the tables were filled. So I approached her. And I, I, I said, are you waiting for a table? I can, I can sit outside. She looked up from her phone and, and kind of abruptly said, nope, I'm walking home. And went right back to her texting. As I returned to my table... I broke out in spontaneous prayer for her. No. <laughs> under my breath. She didn't hear me. Under my breath. You're welcome. <laughs> I did that. I did that. And then I laughed and then I stopped laughing. I said, Marlo, this is real. It's tough sometimes. Even when we don't get a thank you. Now, I'm not suggesting we stop teaching our kids to say thank you, of course, but I, Hmm. what does it mean to serve to be willing to serve even when you don't get a thank you or anything in return doing that though is is the heart of Jesus I I wish my heart was more like Jesus we're all a growth uh, you know on a growth curve aren't we in this uh, loving people (laughs) can't not it's here right I was in the freezer at about 6 a.m. this morning, so it's nice and cold. Guy should have a plastic straw for No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do not know where that came from. But in this living authentically discussion, someone might say, well, well people at work know I'm a Christian. That's good. Maybe. <laughs> and you know where I'm going with this, I bet. I say maybe because it's good only if you're living an authentic Christian life in your workplace that consistently displays the grace-filled character of Jesus. And it's not about being perfect because none of us are. And actually, if we're honest in the workplace or wherever it is, if we're honest about our failures with people, we don't try to you know cover it up. No, that in itself is an expression of authenticity. That they know you're, you're, you're human, you're sinful. We need God's power to live authentically. And so an important prayer is Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can be an effective, loving, authentic, powerful witness for you. Read Acts 1.8. Little verse there. So, thirdly, movement is engaging with people. And Jesus would model that if he lived in my house. He'd engage by prioritizing time with the spiritually seeking people around him. He'd journey with them. He'd cultivate openness to their questions. And if that scares you a little, uh, because you're, you're concerned you won't be able to have the answer. For some of the questions you might be asked, if you, you know, if you get too close or if you open up that dial, eh, I don't know. Well, first of all, if you feel that way, you're not alone. You are not alone. I feel that way myself sometimes. Secondly, it's okay in conversations like that to say, wow, that's, you know, that is a tough question, isn't it? Maybe not the first time you heard it. I mean, that's that that's a good question. I, I'd like to do a little bit of reading uh, b- before we pick up that conversation. Would that be okay? And... and Let's meet again and make sure you do it. Let's meet again. Let's let's pick a time two weeks from now and and pick up this conversation. That's okay to say that. Then you got some work and reading and study to do, and that's okay. There are helpful resources, and it's important that we read as Christ followers. That we that we read, and of course, the Word of God, primarily. But there's other great resources to help us and to equip us to be able to engage in good conversations uh, well and and, and wisely. Uh, A couple of good uh, resources that dropped on the floor earlier. uh, Letters from a Skeptic, excellent book. Literally letters written back and forth between a a skeptical dad and a Christ follower, a son, an adult son, back between, I think it was uh, 89 and 91. So actual written letters back and forth. Just fascinating, good questions, great responses, very, very helpful. Real, real life stuff. And then the book uh, The Problem of God by Canadian pastor Mark uh, Mark Clark, a book that deals with some of the most common objections to faith as as many other good uh, apologetics books do as well. But I, I recommend those to you. Do, doing this type of reading and study is, uh, is just so so vital. And, and it's a part of what uh, Peter uh, talked about in his uh, little book near the end of the New Testament, 1 Peter 3. Always, he's talking to Christians, always be prepared to give an answer to Everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. And then he says, but do this with how? Gentleness and respect. Yeah, he gives us some directions. Because he knew. You've probably seen it as I have. Christians given the right answer and they are given the right answer. It's like, Mm hmm. Gentleness and respect. Important if we can't help people with their legitimate questions in a Christ-loving way, we become another impediment in, in their spiritual search. And that's, that's tragic. So, movement toward people in our world. Prayer, living authentically, and engaging them in relationship. I want to close with this story. Someone asked to borrow the problem of God by texting? Yes, you can. Sorry for that interruption. I close with this story. As a follower of Jesus, when, when you care that your life is in movement toward people who don't know Jesus and, and, and you, you're praying for opportunities, I mean, you just never know what might happen. I referred earlier to former atheist Lee Strobel, as you've heard me talk about him in his books before. He became a Christ follower years ago when he was working at a newspaper in Chicago. He was at one point a legal editor of the Tribune. After experiencing God's forgiveness in Christ, he he came to Christ and he always had, right from the beginning, a deep, deep desire to share this good news message with people in his life. He tells the story, and he told it in this message I referred to, of one day sensing God's prompting. To share with this guy in his office about the grace and forgiveness of Jesus that he had experienced, and and because Lee had had just really really sensed this uh, leading quite strongly, he he anticipated that God was going to do something very cool. He just expected this response, and that you know that God was going to use him to get through to this guy, and uh, you know that's understandable given the 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 deep prompting and and leading he had to go and, and share. The, the message. And so with the man's permission, um, Strobel briefly shared the gospel with this guy and 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 expected again a positive response given the prompting that he had. But he says there was nothing. Stone face. Just 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 no response. So he says, Strobel says he, he walked out of that office that day embarrassed. He thought maybe he heard wrong or, or at least, at the very least, the timing was way off. Or You can imagine what that would be like. Eh? So eventually, Strobel left the newspaper business, became a pastor in a large church in the same city. And one, he says, one morning after church, this man comes up to me, Pastor Strobel. We were talking in our small group this week about the person who's had the biggest spiritual influence in our lives, and I said it was you, and I just wanted to come to tell you. Lee Strobel had no idea who this guy was, and so he listened. The man continued. He said, 12 years ago, I lost my job. I had a family. I had bills. I was scared. I I just was looking everywhere. I called a friend who was the editor of a newspaper. And I asked, just can you give me any work? Well, he gave me a job tiling the floor in his very large office. And one day I was in the corner. He's telling Pastor Strobel this. One day I was in the corner, kind of on my knees tiling, kind of behind the desk. And and you walked in the room. (laughs) I don't even know if you saw me. And I don't know if that guy cried when he told this story, but I don't care. I, he said, I don't know if you saw me there, but you started sharing your faith and telling my friend uh, about your personal relationship with Jesus and the difference that he made in your life. And I, uh, I, I'm not sure what he thought, but I'll tell you, I, I was listening to every word. I went home that night. I told my wife. I soon came to the place. I surrendered my life to Christ. My wife then came to Christ. My kids, one by one, came to Christ. We, we found our place, and God led us here to this church where we're growing in our faith. I just wanted to tell you how thankful I am that you shared your faith that day. If You're looking for opportunities and you're praying for people and you're saying, God, use me. I don't know how that looks, but use me to share your love and grace and your message of hope with people. If you're you're on that track, you just never know what might happen. Pretty cool. Movement toward the world. You just never know what might happen. My Christian friend, can I ask you how deep is your desire for people? In in your sphere of influence, how deep is your desire for them to come to know Jesus? Enough that you at at least are finding yourself beginning to, as they come to mind, you're just defaulting to praying for them, that God would bring others across their path, that God would use you, that their heart would be starting to ask these questions, their mind would be filled with questions that 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 are meaningful and eternal. What's life about and all that? Are you praying that way? Paul modeled this desire for us in Romans 10.1. He expresses it. He just says, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites, so for his his nation, is that they would be saved. And that word saved could be misused, misunderstood. It just simply means that we're saved from our sin that separates us from God. And because we're saved from our sin and the consequence of it, which is eternal separation from God, we're brought together in relationship that is personal and eternal with the God who created us and He created us because he wanted uh, an eternal relationship with us, saved from what life will be unless we turn 180 degrees back to relationship with God through what Christ has done, saved. How deep is your desire for people in your sphere of influence to be saved and to receive this gift of eternal life that you are privileged to be in possession of, by your expressed faith in Christ. Hmm. This morning, as an action step, right now, I'm not going to... You know, last week it was so cool to see, way to go, church, the conversations going on that we ended with, the intergenerational con- conversations. It's awesome. Don't, don't, don't let that be a one-off. Our action step is going to be a little more reflective and personal right now in response to this and you, you know what it is, I'm sure. Who, who is it that God is putting on your heart right now in this moment? Don't brush off the first person that comes to your mind because it might be that obnoxious, arrogant co-worker. <laughs> God just might want you to use you to show him his love and grace or, or whoever. Who is it in this moment that, that is on your heart who, who does not know Jesus yet I want, you to, I want you to write their name down in these moments as we conclude in prayer in just a moment. I want you to write their name down. I want you to put your, their name in your smartphone. Um, I will pray for so-and-so every day. And then, it, I don't know, put it in your iCal, move it forward every day, that's a pain. Whatever works, put it in your to-do list, put it at the top of your to-do list. Who is it that God is calling you to begin to pray for? Or you've been praying for someone for a long time and you know it's time to step into engaging a conversation. Pray for that person. Engage with that person. And we're going to pray as we close in just a moment for those names and faces. God knows every name that has been thought of and sees every face right now that's been thought of. And in this moment, wherever they are in the world, literally, I, I believe God by His Spirit is speaking to them and preparing them for you being used by God in their life To help them move along in the process of coming to the place of accepting Christ. That's cool. That's cool. And if you don't know Jesus personally this morning, uh, I, I want you to know, as I said already this morning, your creator, the one, the God of the universe who created you, he made a huge and loving move your direction by sending his son. And Jesus stepped in willingly to take on himself the penalty for sin. And sin is so bad that the penalty was death. He took it. So you and I wouldn't have to. So we can go free and we can live eternally by His grace and by His uh, compassion. So beautiful. This morning, would you choose to trust God? To ask God to be the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes in this moment, if everybody would, just to respect these moments. And and, and Christians, I'm going to ask you to, to pray. For the individual or individuals that might be in our gathering today who don't yet know Christ or have wandered far from God and you just, today's your day to to recommit your life to Christ. If that's you, I want you just to look my way and and lift your hand. I'm going to include you in a prayer this morning. Anybody? Thank you. That's so cool. Way to go. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? best, most exciting decision you could ever make. And I want to pray for you as, as, that are Christ followers as, as God has brought faces and names to you that He would lead, that you would allow Him to lead you step by step in, in His way that He wants you to, to, to communicate the good news message of, of Jesus through, through showing it and sharing it verbally. How that looks. There's no cookie cutter to this. God will lead you by His Spirit. If that's your heart and your desire. Father, I thank You. For the individuals that have indicated by their hand stretched up that they want to follow You. May they express in their own words, from their own heart, with their own lips, the desire to follow You and receive by faith Your gift of eternal salvation. Thank You for that. May they be rooted and grounded in their walk with you. I pray your strength for them to do that in the name of Jesus this morning. May they seek out other Christians to journey with. May they love your word and grow in this relationship with you, God. And Lord, in these closing moments, I lift up every Christ follower in this place who wants to be an extension of your grace into this world. That they have a desire, uh, as I do, God, to to daily move into your world, into uh, relationships and and places where there are people who don't yet know your love and grace. Use us, God, in the way you want to, in how we live, in what we say, That our influence for Christ in all of our relationships would be God-honoring and effective in touching people that don't yet know you and reaching people that don't know you. and We give you thanks for this. In Jesus' name, amen.